Hi guys, welcome to the Barham Youth Podcast. I know it's been a while since you've heard that phrase, but um, I have been active. I have another podcast called Friendly Differences that I've mentioned a few times before. We are, um, you know, full steam ahead with that. Although the last couple of weekends we haven't had a show due to my co-host's travel. She's been traveling out of town and I got sick, unfortunately, with the flu. Um, so I'm sorry if you hear me throughout the show clearing my throat. I'm sat here with my black tea, as my wife tells me it's an astringent, so that's what's um, better for that. Um, although the guest that I have with you with me today might be able to help because I know um, she's very clued up on health and and all that stuff. Uh, so bear with me. This um, so today we have a guest from Podbean that I've found her shows a few times from the White Wellness Radio. This is Tabitha. Uh, I listened to our show probably about three, four months ago, and I knew straight away that she was cut from the same cloth as I was. Uh, her language, her rhetoric was, you know, ticking all the boxes. And I decided to, you know, seek further, you know, if she had a Telegram group, if she had Instagram, or instead Groid, I think I believe she calls it. Um, uh, so I found her Telegram group. She's like, three Telegram channels that I love and um, I've, I've managed to get her on today. So we're doing a Skype Skype call today and we're going to tackle the dangers of pornography, which is a topic that I've always wanted to do because I've, I, you know, a lot of people that I listen to in my journey have, have touched on it. And it's something that I think is pretty much I've got, I've got here as, as the subheading, are we in a porn addiction epidemic? And I think some of the stats that I have for you today will maybe reapprove that. Um, also, we're going to do transhumanism, which is a huge topic, one that I think we've all probably heard subheadings of, you know, the one race, the one sex, the one religion, but it's it's so big. And to tackle that this week has been overwhelming, but um, Tabitha is a wealth of knowledge, and I'm really looking forward to for you guys and, and myself. I'm like a little kid here in school. I'll be like, so why is this? And, you know, asking all these questions that, Tabitha, how are you today? Thanks for for joining us. Hello, I'm doing uh, well and I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, um, yeah, with um, with your show, how are you, you know, tell us a bit more about Podbean and where else do you go live and do your, your White Wellness radio show? Certainly. So I use the, um, the Podbean to do a radio show. I typically do live shows. Um, sometimes I do them weekly. Sometimes I do them a few times a month. I also will do a little uh, nature clips. We'll all rock, walk around to get kind of like a ASMR thing going with the crunchy leaves and things like that. So I, I do that. I have full shows and I have little clips that I do. And I also have a bunch of channels over at Telegram. I have a white wellness channel, which is my main channel. I have a cooking channel. I have a channel about sexuality and yoga. And then I have a channel about anthropology and race. Awesome. Yeah, I think your, your Telegram channels are spot on. It's, it's, a, it's a source of, well, Telegram for me, is, I, I removed myself from WhatsApp back mm. probably two years ago because I heard about the update that they did. And that was the kind of final straw for me. And I, I moved over. I know all my friends kind of gave me a bit of stick for it. And, you know, but the stuff that we share and documents and videos and things, I think Telegram obviously is, is better for that, first and foremost, because you can share longer. But I think just the content in general suits definitely my journey and, and the stuff that I want to be, you know, viewing. Oh, yeah. 
I totally agree. And that's why I don't like some of those other ones. And with Twitter, you can't even post anything over a certain amount of characters. All the other more major, I like to call them anti-social media, will, you know, will totally um, limit what you have to say. Like I was even on Instagram or what I call Instagroid a few a few weeks ago trying to post something about either race or transhumanism. And it got um, turned down about five, six, seven times. So they don't want these things getting out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the censorship for me, I was on YouTube and I was, I think I've got about maybe 20 to 30 episodes, but on, mm -hmm. on YouTube, I only maybe had 10 or 15 because I knew there was zero point putting them on there because they would just be removed and you would get strike two, strike three. So it, it got to the point where, you know, I thought, screw it, I'm going to take it off because if they're not going to support me, why should I support them? They're obviously getting views coming to their platform through my stuff and Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just think, you know, sometimes the, the, outset, the outset for me was put my put my episodes on as much places as I can. But why would you support, you know, the censorship and it just uh, mind zoggling. It's, it's, mind zoggling. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Why would you want to put your information out there and let them use it? And one of my biggest gripes about YouTube is when you're watching a video about something and then they show you these ridiculous adverts about something that's completely the opposite to it. So you're watching a video about some holistic health and they show you these adverts for like pharmaceuticals. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of brings me to, there's some terms and phrases that I've picked up from yourself by listening to you that I just love and for the, for the guests that are listening. Um, I just mentioned one there, mind zoggling. You, you know, Islam is one that you use, uh, the public fooling system. And mm. oy, oy, I keep struggling with this. And oy, oyedaye, oyedaye. O, oyedaye. So that's, that's oyedaye. a saying that I made back in, uh, oh gosh, I think it was April of 2020, you know, a month into the quote pandemic. And uh, I just wanted to use a phrase that wasn't using the phrase that begins with C. Because I think it's a spell. I think words are spells and spelling, especially with the English language. So I figured... Let me figure out a phrase that isn't that word so I don't feel like I'm saying it over and over again, kind of like a mantra. And it's also allowed me to fly under the radar a little bit in regards to censorship because it's such a weird little word. So oyid, like COVID, and then AI for 19, like artificial intelligence, because A is one and nine is uh, I. So that's how I made yeah. that up. I love that. And, and as I said to you pre-show, I think it's a great tool to have because listening to someone maybe some people are jumping into your Podbean uh, lives or listening to your shows, and when they hear you using proper, like, you know, these terms that I would say is, is derogatory, but quite right, you know, you're, you're pointing out what these things really are, and you're, mm -hmm. you're showing the people that, and then the confidence that you exude by, you know, saying these names, it, I think that goes a lot, long way for people that are maybe not, you know, fully there yet, or even just not there mm -hmm. at all, and they hear someone like you or, or me talking this way, with such confidence, it's like, well, where are they getting this stuff from? I need mm. to, you know, are they are they telling me the truth? Are they lying to me? Like, but the confidence maybe makes them go in and actually look it out, and that's all we want. I've said from day one on my show, if if you want to go fact check me, please do because that would then hopefully put you down the rabbit hole and and show you that I'm not telling lies. You know, I'm telling you the truth and I'm exposing the the agendas, <laughs> as you say. <laughs> that's another yeah. One. 
Exactly. And I think if you have the confidence to say, you know what, fact check me, like I have no problem with someone fact checking me. And if I happen to be incorrect, I'll admit it that I'm, I'm incorrect because I don't have anything to hide. I'm after the truth. Awesome. So uh, would you like to get, which one would you like to start with? The, the dangers of pornography or transhumanism? Hmm, they're kind of intertwined. I mean, I'd yeah. say that the pornography is kind of a, an aspect of the transhumanistic culture. I guess we can start with the pornography and then kind of weave it into the, the bigger thing of the transhumanism, if that works for you. Yeah, good. Awesome. Okay. Um, I've got a few statistics that would maybe shock the listener before we get into like what, what our beliefs are. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll start with those. Uh, are we in a porn addiction epidemic? Um, about 200,000 Americans, now this is an American-based website, but you can basically put it to any, I'm sure the UK and any other country that has uh, free access to pornography um, would have these same statistics there, but this one was American. So about 200,000 Americans are classified as porn addicts. 40 million Americans people regard regularly visiting porn sites. 25% of all search engine requests is porn-related. 20% of men have admitted to watching porn at work. In a 2010 study slash survey, 47% of us US families admit porn is a problem in their, in their family. A third of porn viewers are female. Men who are happily married are 61% likely to watch porn. 88% of porn scenes contain physical aggression. And 49% of porn scenes contain verbal aggression and 37 porn videos are created every day in the US and uploaded. Um, How the uh, internet pornography uh, hurts teens, uh, younger adults. It increases odds of teenage pregnancy, obviously. Hinders sexual development, handling their sexuality sexuality at a young age would would mess them up, obviously with the the images that they're viewing. Uh, Raises the risk of depression, which is something that we'll definitely get into and creates distorted expectations which hinder sexual development so how did you really intense and of course some of that stuff was from 2010 and it's only here in america what what is it i mean 12 years past now you know 2022 things are probably way way more especially since the quote pandemic i'm sure the utilization of pornography has increased uh you know astronomically there was something I was going to touch on. I know it's off, off, kind of off topic, but we were actually going to be doing rape culture for friendly differences in our podcast this weekend, mm-hmm. and our our guest uh, bailed out at the last minute, so we've got to reschedule. But that 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 start there. Eighty-eight um, percent of porn scenes contain physical mm-hmm. aggression. Forty-eight percent of porn scenes contain verbal aggression, and then you wonder why. I mean, I'm not making excuses because this is something that we're against anyway. But, yeah. you know, the culture that porn leads to, uh, and I know in that episode that I caught you as I was driving to work, you were talking a lot about porn and some of these uh, disgusting, uh, the one about the, the strawberry donut or something. Oh, gosh, how, the raspberry donut. Uh, yeah. Raspberry donut and how men like to uh, like basically, what is it, punch the women in the nose and ejaculate over their faces. Yeah. yeah. These are the types of things that young impressionable adults and even adults in general are, are are watching and viewing and then no wonder we our society is going to shit basically like that's the way I see it you know, some people don't like to make those correlations that just because you're watching something on tv 
doesn't mean to say it becomes who you are. And I, I really do think that way. I think desensitization and de uh, what's the other one? Demoralization, just decadence on our TV screen uh, through soap operas here in the UK. Soap operas are huge. EastEnders, Coronation Street. And when you're seeing children having teenage pregnancies and how the parents handle that, and then it happens in your life and you're like, well, those parents in that TV show were actually quite calm and accepting of it. So maybe I should be accepting of it. And then we're more accepting as a society of these demoralizations. And, you know, I, it's a difficult one, but um, the main question I have when we talk about these things, and I'm glad I've got you here to ask this, because this is something that I've been battling with for a while is what would, what is the answer to this? Do we take these things away? Because then you could be classed as like a dictator. Like it's maybe like a a big broad question to kind of it's maybe too broad. It's something like that I've been do, thinking about. Like how to, how, how do to we tackle solve the these, problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think in general, you know, we we're very susceptible when we see visual images, and I think even studies have been found that men especially are more susceptible to visual things. I think that's one of the reasons why men are more drawn to pornography. Of course, women watch it as well. So seeing negative images like that raspberry donut, which wouldn't be a situation that would really happen in, in real life. It's completely unnatural and fetishistic. And I think that's what pornography runs on, creating unnatural and fetishistic imagery. And then typically someone's orgasm or ejaculation is hijacked to see something that's really kind of perverse and really not sacred sexuality. It's kind of the opposite of it. So I think that really what we need is we need some type of positive sexual education. And, and it certainly isn't all this LGBTQIAV plus stuff. That's part of the porn industry and transhumanism as far as I'm um, seeing it. But we really need some type of healthy sexual education that's age appropriate because most of us get our education and knowledge of sex and sexuality, sexuality unfortunately, through something such as pornography. Yeah, yeah. I... I... I don't know if you agree with me here, but I put a lot of the, the responsibility on the parents. I don't like the thought of government, you know, getting involved in things like that. Although I know to some extent they would need to in, in schools. And, um, but I think the, the parent system and the whole the family structure in general, um, I get a lot of stick for this belief on, on the other show that I do. But like how parents and the, the family structure, man, woman, and good parenting skills, you know, sitting down your, your child, teaching them right and wrong, giving them good morals and good advice is being lost. And now kids are being thrown in front of iPads and, and phones and being brought up by basically technology and, and, and the government um, mm -hmm. is one of the biggest problems. I think if we went back um, again, I, I never know which date to go, but I always hear that the 40s and the 50s were the better generation, probably even pre that that um you know men were men women were women and i know there's a lot of stigma towards misogyny and and whether men were treated women like slaves and, and all that work which i think a lot of that's anecdotal but i think a lot of it stems from if you raise your child to have good morals and and grow up and and i think society as a whole would be better um mm -hmm. probably again another broad statement but I just don't like the government getting involved in teaching our children what they want to teach them. I agree. I, I definitely wholeheartedly agree with you. And yeah, it is it is on the parents to make sure that children aren't getting into this. And, you know, nowadays 
it's everywhere. A youngster as young as seven could be exposed to pornography on a phone or an iPad. You know, back in in my day, and I, I was, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s, you, know, you found a, a VHS tape or you found a, a magazine. And it was now it, the pornography is really, really disturbing. I mean, in the 80s, it was still hardcore, but it wasn't the way it is now. Uh, and of course, I think now children, like I said, are being exposed to it at such a young age. So maybe putting safety things on phones or not even allowing a child to have a phone. I mean, why does a child even need a phone. I mean, but it's definitely on on the parents. But a lot of parents also will send their children to which a school that promotes all of that LGBTQIAV plus stuff. So the child will be so confused and then might look at pornography and get some crazy ideas. So it really does start with the family and with with good rearing and with the parents having a good relationship. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the main issue I have with porn is. Uh, the I think in relationships, I think in general, it causes men to be men and women, but it causes them to be a bit more docile, a bit not appreciative of their their their, their, their partner. Basically, um, mm -hmm. your your emotions, your dopamine levels, it, it's it is a drug, and it should be categorized as a. I don't know if it is technically, but you know we we all talk about you know how um, drugs, as in you know. LSD and cocaine and all those kind of are drugs and and obviously alcohol can be addictive and a drug um, but pornography there's not much conversations out there for for this type of stuff and I think that that's very telling and I, I don't know if they're, they're trying to hide it but it's it's coming to the forefront people like Jordan Peterson I was listening to this week and there's a few other podcasts that are just solely related to just the porn addiction epidemic that we're that we're seeing um, and I think, you know, all this stuff can be, maybe not, it's like a univariate analysis saying that because there's pornography that this is why relationships are breaking down. That's not, you know, wholeheartedly true, but it is definitely an aspect of it. Um, and, I, and I think it, it, the more and more we, as you say, that, that study that I pointed out in 2010, and we are now 12 years later almost, that it, it's definitely going to go up and eradicating some of these issues or at least having the, the conversation because I was listening to a lot of uh, men. It was men, men mostly talking about how they used to sit in front of their phones for ten hours a day and just watch porn, and how their lives are going wayside and they've lost friends, they've lost family, they've lost their partners. So you know, even just just talking about it um, would, would would help. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so. And I, I would say it's an addiction and it, it's kind of a, a harder addiction. Like at least if someone was habituated to, let's say like a literal substance like alcohol or cocaine, they could just not have the substance in their life. But with pornography, when, you know, your genitals are right between your legs 24 seven, it's, it's, I think it's a different type of of addiction and then also it's free. Typically people have to, you know, buy cocaine, buy alcohol. Pornography is free for a reason. I've, I've actually, I'm just looking at that just now. I've got free for a reason. You should always be wary of things that are free. Um, yes. Um, all it's all pleasure with no responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. Don't sub, don't substitute false for real. Removing part of your drive to approach women because you have a porn uh, because you have porn. Your sexual urge is being obviously it's being you're you're using it every like if, if you're on porn every day you see a, a, a good-looking woman or a good-looking man in a, in a store, the urge for you to go up to them and initiate a conversation and, and have that human connection 
is not going to be there. The drive's obviously gone. Um, I guess throughout the years, I've learned I've learned quite a bit, especially you know researching it for shows and just realizing that it's not just this standalone thing. It's tied to so many other aspects of society. It's tied to, like I alluded to earlier, the transhumanism. It's tied to the, the LGBTQIAV plus, like even the idea of someone having a sex robot or some people promoting the idea of a robot that's a child, you know, and that and then say, oh, this is this is way better than, you know, pedophilia. But this is all crazy, slippery slope type of stuff. And I think pornography is just kind of a stepping stone because there is something very transhumanistic about pornography where you're, you know, sitting watching other people engage in sex or sexual activity and you're a spectator. And there's also a cuckold aspect to it too, that particularly if a man is masturbating to pornography, he's getting off seeing another guy have sex with a woman. So that there's a, a lot of just weird kind of non-reality things going on. And I think that porn is an easy way to get people hooked and accepting of the larger aspects of transhumanism and the LGBTQIAV+, which is just a stepping stone to transhumanism. The people who believe in that ideology are just being used. I consider them cogs for Zog. They're just being used as useful idiots, like that old communistic term, to basically further promote this you know, idea of everything being equalized. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I've got that here as well. Reprogramming your brain to be aroused by others having sex, and it obviously leads to voyeurism. Um, mm -hmm. Being coupled, as you say. Um, when watching porn, there's no emotions because you're just staring at a screen. And then when you go to actually have sex with a partner, the emotion is gone. And, and that, for me, that's a, a big issue as well. Uh, even like you mentioned there about sex dolls and robots and all this technology, even down to, um, you know, women using vibrators and things mm -hmm. is desensitizing uh, the, the human factor. And then, you know, there's a lack of connection and emotion and, and even, you know, reaching orgasm because of these technologies yes. and vibrators and things is becoming harder and harder. I know that's an issue. Um, the attention span thing. I think uh, th this was the one more from a from a man side of side of, is that when your your brain's releasing that amount of amount of dopamine, sorry, uh, and and you're reaching those levels consistently. That's why I think men like I, I've definitely suffered from that. Where you come home and your wife's maybe made you a nice meal or done something nice, but you've used so much emotion and, and dopamine that, that things like that doesn't you know, you don't mm. appreciate it as much. I think that's an issue into why maybe the yeah. relationships aren't lasting. And uh, divorce, you know, I, I know these things are they're multifaceted issues, but I think that is one that we, we definitely should tackle. And it's, you know, when, when I always identify an issue that we should probably change, I always think like if I was prime minister or president of a country, would I ban pornography? Because then that's like, well, I think if Joe Biden or... Uh, Liz Trust or whoever is leading the country at the moment came out tomorrow and said that we're going to ban pornography. There would be an outcry. There would be an outrage. I think I don't. I don't know how public or how big it would be, but it's like it's not a right. It's not a, a, a human right. It's a privilege. And mm -hmm. so is that a good one or is it not? We have to look down and and see what the cause is. And uh, yes, everything in moderation. Just like drugs, drink, porn. If you take it in moderation. It's not that bad, but what, what, the 
the high end of extreme disease, it can, it can ruin people's lives. So yeah. it's, it is an issue. And it I, and can I like definitely, you, yeah. Yeah, how you brought it on to the trans humanism issue because something that I was, oh, just, and I know you were disgusted by it too, you, di you didn't even want to tell your own listeners, but that form of pornography, um, uh, you, you were talking about how you, Oh, is it the sissy, the sissy hypno? Is yeah. it that one? Oh yeah. gosh, I, I've never, I've never watched it before. Because um, sometimes I will watch a little bit of like not pornography, but I'll look at images for a particular show for research. But I wouldn't even bring myself to watch that. It supposedly has a very kind of clockwork orange type of thing with lots of hypnotic spirals, and it basically brainwashes a man to believe that he's a woman being objectified and being used for, you know, his quote her body. And some men get addicted to this as like a fetish and then want to dress like a woman and take estrogen. And it's it's absolute, it's the creepiest thing, I think, anyway. No, I was I was creeped out by you. Know, it's the first I'd heard of that. And uh, but it doesn't it doesn't shock me. Like like I think you said as well that you're you're not easily shocked with all this information that we've learned over the years uh, of being down the rabbit yeah. hole. It's like there's not much that can shock, but sometimes you do get that little little shock where you're like wow I can't believe that's that's actually out there and and you were saying that there are reddit forums for this stuff and mm -hmm. people are speaking out and talking about it openly and it's it's changed a lot of people's minds and basically brainwashing people to you know ah, it is difficult like I know I know for people listening to, to me talking this way now is is kind of they might, they might be a bit shocked because we had a transgender on friendly differences, uh, Reagan. We've had her on twice, and I, this is something. That if you, if you want to comment on top of that, feel free. I know this, is, this stuff is, you know, it, it's hard to talk about. But when 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 we had her on, she told us that she, when she was six years of age, um, she knew she was in the wrong body. Um, I know people personally who were born with uh, genetic defects and they came out and um, they were they were triplets and they came out as all, all three of them were were gay um, and they have other issues as well so i am kind of open and i know this isn't maybe necessarily agreed upon in the when when you get into these rabbit holes that you shouldn't think this way i don't know if you're religious i'm i'm not i, I do oh no I, i'm not at all <laughs> I'm, I'm a theist i believe in god but i'm not religious so. yeah that, that, yeah that's i believe in a creator I don't, I don't necessarily believe in the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or any of those religious doctrine, but I, I do believe we were created. Um, however, the, the, this stuff just doesn't sit with me. Um, I, I did feel sympathy for her, I still do, if she believes that when she was six years of age she was in the wrong body. And I do also believe that there are factors such as the food we eat, the, obviously mm -hmm. the technology we're talking about, um, substances that we're putting into our body and, and mums when they're pregnant are putting into their body can do those things but it is very hard when you're talking to someone on on a show and they're telling you these things to not feel sympathy and not see that you know maybe they had no option but to you know turn trans and have the operations but at the same time I have to go like there, there was other options I think mainly I think that sitting down on a sofa with a psychiatrist would be the main one. I don't know if I'm wrong on that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tabitha, but I, I just think this is a mental issue. And I think even the language behind it, where it used to be called trans 
was it um Transsexual? Yeah, transvestite. Well, yeah, yeah, transsexual, and they're, they're rebranding all the time. And mm -hmm. even like, um, what's the one about like, how it was a mind thing? Um, gender like, dysphoria? Gender dysphoria, yeah. yeah. So a lot, a lot of them, I, I mean, I'm on shit talk, as you say, and I'm <laughs> listening to like these debates and, and just, you know, listening to them. And they push back on the dysphoria part because they don't like it to be thought of as a mind, you know, that their the heads are in the wrong place. They know, it's like they know that they're in the wrong body. Um, mm. But finding out about those uh, porn channels or whatever, those um, that are teaching men to become women and brainwashing that way, it's just, it's all, it all adds up. And that's why showing people this stuff, if you're listening and, you you know, hopefully when we, we expose this stuff and show you what, what the, it, it does look like an agenda. It definitely does. There's no getting away yeah. from it. Definitely. And what's so interesting about it is back in the day, like in the infancy of this, and of course, you know, the whole idea of, of people living as the opposite sex goes back for many, many a decades, many a centuries, but now it's become very medicalized in the last like 10, 20 years. But I remember as a youth spending quite a bit of time in, in Manhattan and in, in New York City and seeing only men, not women, who would be considered, you know, transvestite or transsexuals dressed up in hyper feminized clothing pretending that they were women, of course, they never passed as women. So the majority of people who had this, this fetish were men. And now it seems like the majority of people who have what they're calling RODG, ROGD, rapid onset gender dysphoria, it all tends to be white girls who are given the diagnoses of autism. So already, if you have a diagnosis like autism, you're going to be somewhat disembodied from your body. So I think every ailment and dis-ease, not just the idea of not feeling like you're whole in your body, I think they all start out as an emotional conflict in the brain, and then they manifest as, as different things. And that's why I think they originally called it, quote, gender dysphoria. And dysphoria just means uncomfort, uncomfort, like discomfort, like euphoria means that you're ecstatic, you're in a state of bliss. So all it means is that you have discomfort in your, quote, gender. And I don't even really like that word gender because sex is what you are biologically. You know, a man has a penis, a woman has a vagina and breasts. We, we all know this to be true. But gender is basically how you show yourself. So a man could dress in a way that's very masculine. He could dress in a way that's maybe not so masculine. A woman can do the same thing. So the idea of that has existed for a long time. Like the idea of like, let's say a man who was a homosexual who had a very kind of like effeminate, um, I, you know, look and, and way. And then a woman who was maybe a lesbian, who was butch, who dressed more manly. That's existed for a long time. And these people never thought they were, quote, trapped in the wrong body. So I really do think it's an agenda, like many of the agendas, pornography, all of this, to basically disembody us and separate our brain from our body. That's kind of my thoughts on it. And I think it begins with an emotional conflict. So maybe this person who you had on your show who said when they were small, they knew that something was different for them and they felt like they were the opposite sex. It could have been some emotional trauma or conflict that happened when they were a youngster and they just disassociated themselves from being who they are. Yeah, 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 I, I, I agree. It, it, it's hard to feel, I mean, I, th I think the, the word I'm searching for there is the intolerant factor. I think a lot of people like you mm -hmm. and I get a lot of pushback because we sound as if we're hating these people, we're intolerant of them, we don't want them in our society. 
and that may be the case. I don't know if you subscribe to that or if, or if you don't. Whereas I, it's not that I'm, I'm self-censoring or I'm just trying to be the good guy, but I, I do often find myself saying, look, we're, we're not, even this is going to sound bad, but they're not going to disappear. And if we, mm. if we could make it disappear, would we? And, and I would say, with help, with the better, you know, I, I think we're treating these people the wrong way. I think just you, you also brought up um, how they're opening up um, places in America that are targeting young teenage girls. Um, and there were so many of them. It was a, it was mm-hmm. a clip you played on your show and it, it was targeting young girls and so many young girls are having their breasts amputated. And yes. uh, this is, it, it's almost as if like, it's, it's instant. It's like, as soon as they come in and, and talk about this stuff, it's like, right, get them on this hormone tablets, mm-hmm. get, them, get their breasts off. There's no long-term, it's like almost instant. And I know there are people are gonna push back on that and say, yeah, I went to see this person. But I've also heard, I think the the trans person that we had on our show talked about, she went to see this person, didn't like them, went to see this person, didn't like them. And I'm like, is it because you didn't like what they were saying and you just mm. wanted to hear what you wanted to hear? Or, yeah. is, you know, because I think that's, there's obviously bias and rightly so. I think there's doctors out there that are being funded for the more breasts they get amputated, for the more uh, medicine mm. that they they give um i i just think it's it's wrong and um, but the intolerance factor is uh, a big one because i know a lot of people will, will probably have turned off after hearing us talk this way because we come across as intolerant but we do care or i certainly care and i want the problem solved for the benefit of all of humanity because we all as much as people say we don't have a say because we're not you know it doesn't affect us it does it affects society and um, I always say, and I know this gets a lot of people pissed off, but if you're a taxpayer, some of our taxpaying money is going to these operations and these mm-hmm. you know, things, that are, things that are going on in our world, our money is paying for it. So that gives us a say. Um, Absolutely. But, so yeah. so we'll, I think what we'll do, we'll go on to transhumanism because we're pretty much almost there anyway. Um, and I have the mainstream definition of it. Um, and then we'll go into our own thoughts. So I got this from the Britannica uh, website. Transhumanism, social and philosophical movement devoted to promoting the research and development of robust human enhancement technologies. Such technologies would augment or increase human sensory reception, emotive ability or cognitive capacity, as well as radically improve human health and extend human lifespans. Such modifications resulting from the addition of biological or physical technologies would be more or less permanent and integrated into the human body. And a little bit about where it came from. The term transhumanism was coined by English biologist and philosopher Julian Huxley in his 1957 essay of the same name. Huxley referred principally to improving the human condition through social and cultural change but the essay and the name have been developed, uh, adopt, adopted as seminal by the transhumanist movement, which emphasizes material technology. Huxley held that although humanity had naturally evolved, it was now possible for social ins- institutions to supplant, supplement evolution in refining and improving the species. The ethos of Huxley's essay, if not its letter, can be located in transhumanism's com- commitment to assuming the work of evolution, but through technology rather than society. So, what's your thoughts on that, Billy? Really? 
I think that sounds about right. And this fellow Julian Huxley is the brother of uh, Aldous Huxley, who was also kind of one of the architects of the transhumanist movement, you know, going back quite some time because these gents were born in like the 18, 1887. So kind of the same generation as, as Hitler, the lost generation. So this agenda has been having its, you know, kind of been rooting into society for quite some time. But I think what you just said is, is pretty much spot on. And I also think that there are some aspects of transhumanism which are more deleterious than others. Like, for example, we could even say that having a conversation like this with, you know, you in Scotland and me here in New York is somewhat transhumanist because we're utilizing technology. But I would say that's very, very different than someone having like a neural link or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I have heard little bits of Eldis Huxley and, and I'm glad you brought it up because I was actually going to ask, is that a relation to you know, because it could have been. Um, but yeah, this stuff is, I did say to you pre-show before we press record, like I I know a little about a lot and I knew that transhumanism covered basically the one race, the one religion, the one sex agenda and mm-hmm. basically, basically robots. And I, I do make a joke, it's basically the films that we watch, Terminator, uh, Terminator mm-hmm. um, plus yep. 1984. It's like almost those two combined. That's my vision for the future, 1984 by George Orwell with the Terminator film kind of yeah. together. Um, and yeah, you, you do make a good point. Again, it's a kind of a question that uh, along the same lines as me saying about us being sounding intolerant and how would we fix it? Like with pornography, would we ban it? How do we fix the problem? And this is one that you just said there is, where does it become the point where um, transhumanism isn't the morally right thing to do because that's the issue and it almost sounds as if I'm I'm kind of jumping over to their side I'm not because I, I do think that the, the the people that are pushing this stuff are doing it from a nefarious standpoint mm. it's like they're, they're pushing us this way which is wrong and that's you know where I always come back to however um, if we can solve things like cancer or AIDS or um, some of the issues that we have in our world with technology, isn't that a good thing and a benefit? Like, where, where do you stand on that? Um, I guess I stand in a way where I think that if we got more back to nature, because so many things in this world are inversions, and I'm, I'm still learning. I mean, we're all born into this world, into the inversion. So, you know, every day it's like something else. You you peel back the layers and you're like, oh, so so that's what it was. So I think if we cultivate more of this rootsy connection with nature, we wouldn't be necessarily appetized by transhumanism. And in regards to things like cancer and AIDS, we've been lied to in regards to what those are. Um, If you look at cancer from a Germanic new medicine healing perspective, anytime we're dealing with something like that, where we're at the height of the quote, dis-ease, it's actually inverted and we're actually in the healing process of the disease. So when everything is is getting to the point where it feels like it's un- unimaginable or like let's say there's a scab on someone's arm for more of a, a simple or simplistic uh, idea of it, that's actually the healing protocol. So when someone goes in and they, they talk to Dr. Zog and they're like, oh, they tell you, you've got the big C, you've got X amount of time to be living, that's a diagnosis, that's a spell that they're putting on you. And oftentimes that in and of itself could cause someone to get into more of an emotional conflict and have you know, more of the the tumor basically be growing as opposed to 
the healing process actually happening. So that's a, that's a humongous topic. We could even do a whole broadcast on on that. And regards to quote AIDS, that was a hoax too. And I remember when this whole thing happened, the whole like AIDS thing, like. I, I was young when that was becoming a thing and I was petrified at that point. I wasn't even sexually active and I was just so fearful of this whole idea of this like this bug that you could get from the sacred practice of, of lovemaking. And then I realized that that was a hoax too because viruses actually don't exist. Microbes facilitate detox in the body and it would be really be HIV is the quote virus. But AIDS is actually from giving people who were diagnosed with HIV, giving them AZT, which was an off-market uh, medicine that was utilized for chemotherapy, but too many people were, were dying when they were giving them that. So then they gave it to these, quote, AIDS patients, which were typically homosexual men, and then they developed AIDS from the AZT medicine and died, but we were told it was from the, quote, virus of HIV. So I think both of those things are total snares but they're utilized by transhumanists to say, oh, we've got all these problems in the world. You know, we've got, quote, genetic disease by a cancer. We've got all these viruses on the loose. But that's just fear porn, kosher theater, essentially, to get us to buy into the transhumanistic philosophy in the first place. Well said. I think, I think the two examples I gave you with cancer and AIDS probably a fool. Perfect. Them, I think no, that was the perfect. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking more, it's like, 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 I know I'm going kind of off topic, but the reason why my mind's kind of flipped, it's not flipped, I'm still obviously totally on board with this stuff because I know basically that the people running the world, it's nefarious and that they're driving us in this direction, whereas if it was a naturalistic way, then we can maybe see that there would be benefits from it. And there may be some benefits from trans transhumanism. Um, but there was a guy I was talking to that was, it was a very philosophical conversation. I love philosophy. And I think this is why I'm struggling because I'm very into morals. I think morals should be the driving force for the way we live, not laws. And laws mm. should be, be made on morals and philosophy, not the other way around. And uh, he brought up like the, I don't know what he called it, it's basically like chaos theory where how do we know that killing isn't right and wrong? How do we know just because the government says so, because you can go to jail for it? Like, for example, if there was an apocalypse and there was only a few people left and it was survival of the fittest. A lot of these laws go out the window and it becomes just a case of survive or die. And that's kind of through a lot of my, not a lot of my beliefs as if I've, I've ignored them, but it's like when I, when I get into like transhumanism for one, it's like if the government knew that one day, or let's say the government knew that we are overpopulated, if, and I know that's a myth because there's ample resources in the world but let's say that that was the case would it be morally justified to genocide a lot of people like like that's the kind of thoughts that i'm struggling with now because of that mm. conversation and i think i'm, I'm kind of with porn with transhumanism today i'm kind of asking you these questions in the hope that you kind of set me straight because i've been asking these kind of questions for about maybe a month now where it sounds like it sounds like I'm I'm abandoning all my beliefs, but I'm not. I'm just saying that some of these things do sound good on to, to the to the non to the non-believer, to the normies that aren't in conspiracies. If they can cure cancer and AIDS, and I know we know that they're they're a they're a hoax, that these people will get on board with them. So I don't know if I'm making myself Agreed. clear, but 
No, you are. And they definitely will if they believe that this is some type of panacea to, you know, a better future, like the whole idea we're sold via veganism, you know, the idea we're sold via climate change. Like if we do these things to essentially minimize ourselves, that we'll have a better world when I think it's very much a scarcity mindset, which many of us probably unconsciously from an ancestral perspective have been stuck in, I think, especially since World War II and the Great Depression and all that type of stuff. So we really live in this world of abundance, but so many of us are stuck in this kind of uh, scarcity and, you know, the scarcity mentality, which will breed, I think, ideologies like you're just speaking about. Yeah. So so I've got here my my own definition or understanding. So again, correct me if I'm wrong. This is just what I believe either what the future holds or what transhumanism is. So obviously robots and AI, uh, duality, which we've been practicing for for centuries, probably will become singularity, and we'll get into mm-hmm. that with one religion, one sex, one race, and um, communism, uh, one race, one sex, one religion. Uh, 1984 meets Terminator. I've, I've mentioned that prolonged life for the wealthy, and I've got that in brackets because it will be for the wealthy only. Elon Musk's Neuralink, for example, cure for AIDS cancers will appear, and that will be the the you know, the, the marketing thing. Um, I think we're already seeing that through what we've mm-hmm. gone through the last few years with, with COVID and some of the yep. mRNA technologies that can do things. Um, that'll be, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of that rhetoric coming out soon. Um, and a social credit system, or basically just, you know, if you behave, you'll get these things. If you don't, you won't. Um, so, so do you agree with some of them? Do you think I'm, I'm on? Because as I say, it's been a five-year journey for me. So I'm picking things up. I'm listening to podcasts every day. I'm watching documentaries. I'm taking notes. I'm not much of a reader, which I am trying to change. <laughs> I, I bought a few books and I'm, I'm saying I'm going to set aside some time. Um, but these are just thoughts and feelings and I think I'm being I'm being uh, justified in my beliefs through listening to the news and I don't do that often but when you jump in the car and the, the, the mainstream news is on or you, you jump on Twitter just to see what they're trying to teach us or trying to brainwash us with and I'm seeing these things I'm like picking boxes I'm like it's almost like I'm seeing through what the narrative they're telling us this because they want to get to this point and uh, that's just how I, how I have always approached it. Yeah, that that makes sense. And all those bullet points you just went through, I agree that those are what they're what they're doing. Um, and you know, it's almost like when you see the whole picture from like a panoramic perspective, you you put the puzzle pieces together, and you're you become good at recognizing patterns. Like that's kind of how I put the dots together throughout my journey. Oh, aha! Like for example, in regards to transhumanism, the majority of the figures that are involved in this at a high level are all Jewish men. You have someone like Martine Rothblatt, who's really Martin Rothblatt. He's a transsexual. He's also a race mixer. He has a religion called Terrasem. He built, I think, um, a robot of his wife's head. David Pierce, who's British, but I think he's also Jewish. You have Ray Kurzweil, who's an American, but also Jewish. So it's all Jewish men, just like the autogynephilic uh, aspect of transsexualism. It tends to be Jewish men. So that's the thing I put together, you know, by recognizing patterns. And that, that's something that I haven't really talked about with my, my listeners. So I don't know, maybe have you back sometime in the future yeah. to talk about the, the Jewish problem or the Jewish issue or whatever. I don't know how you would brand that, but it is something that, you know, a lot of censorship around. And, and uh, mm. I, I've posted around it for a, for a long time. Um, my 
for me, that was when everything changed for me. I think the difference between being red pilled and black pilled, as I call it, <laughs> you know, yeah. you call it, like learning about the Zionism and and uh, the Jewish, you know, the, the the Talmudic laws and the Noahide stuff, and that's yes. for me the 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 big, you know, the thing that the divide the. The difference between when I meet someone like you and I meet someone like, like that isn't black pill or isn't doesn't know that stuff. That's what I was trying to get at at the start of the show. So I mean, we we might be able to touch on it at the end, depending on how long we've got. But um, uh, we'll get through the the one religion. I've got a few notes on one religion, which is a belief that I've had for a while that they're gonna because I think with communism, the main issue that I hear a lot. Obviously, I wasn't around in those times or. Or ever been affected? Well, we kind of are. We basically do live in a communist. We kind of are, you know, yeah. Socialism, communism, um, but that that religion is the main reason why it fails because people cling to their religion and and Christianity and and more importantly, kind of is is a big stumbling block for for communism. So they need to to eradicate uh, religion. And what I learned a long time ago, I've just watched a little video today just to refresh my memory, is that they are already um, combining, it's called Prislam. I don't know if you saw. I've heard of this, actually, yes, yes. I don't know if you saw, it was only last week, I think it was, uh, I've got it here, September the 14th and 15th, there was a two-day conference. Um, it's, it was called the, and this is very telling, because I don't know if you're good, if you're into gematria and numerology, but I'm very, I, that's kind of like my um, guilty pleasure is, is decoding uh, mm. the news with like the number 33 appearing a lot as the Freemason, mm -hmm. Freemason number 47, another Freemasonic number, Jesus died at 33, Buzz Aldrin mm -hmm. extends the moon mission for 33, you know, Christopher Columbus sailed 33 days. It's all just, you know, it's mm -hmm. their calling card. And sure. so this, this, this Congress was called the, the, it was in Roman numerals V11, which is seven. So seventh Congress of the leaders of the world and traditional religion. And uh, this is where um, Catholics, rabbis and Muslims all gathered to unite the religions. And it's now going to be called Chrislam, which will involve Catholicism, not Christianity, Catholicism, mm. uh, Judaism and Islam. And they are actually building a structure in Abu Dhabi right now. I don't know if it's finished. Mm the three structures in the same area uh, one and it's going to be where everyone will go and um, preach and uh, worship their, their god and uh, it's just crazy that you know you're seeing so much support for this because for me i always look to the religious people especially christianity um for the pushback definitely in the last three years with with covid i look towards them to kind of stand up and say no and it almost seemed like there was no resistance at all. They took these shots when mm -hmm. they're told in their Bible that they're given, you know, the immune system from God and they don't need any of this stuff. And they just, you know, cucked, basically. They just took the yep. shot. And uh, I, I, I'm very disappointed. I mean, I have uh, an uncle who is heavily into the church, the, the, the into Christianity, and I sat and spoke to him about it. And there was no <clears throat> passion. There was no, it was almost as if they're being, you know, subdued and brainwashed to be more accepting of this stuff and uh just it, it disgusts me so i maybe come across hard on the religious people but it's just because you know you're you know their rhetoric and they're not following it so yeah 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that religion, especially the Abrahamic religions, and a lot of religions have been Abrahamicized, like Hinduism and, and Buddhism, they've been Abrahamicized. But the, the Abrahamic trio, a lot of those people have completely, you know, pandered to the quote pandemic, have gotten the vaccination, have completely, you know, been okay with the rainbow flag being, you know, flying at the at the church. And I feel that the reason that they're picking uh, Christianity Catholicism for this Chrislam thing is because Catholicism is more um, it's closer in relation ideology wise to Judaism and to um, Islam. So I think that's why they're picking that. I think with like other sects of Christianity, like Protestantism, you see a little bit more resistance. You think of figures like Martin Luther and, you know, writing that book, The Jews and Their Lies. So I think that they're deliberately picking Catholicism. And remember, the Pope wears that yarmulke thing on his head. So yeah, uh, that's one of my downfalls is, is learning about the religions. I'm not too clued up, but I do hear a lot from people that I would look up to is that they're basically it's it's Satanism. You know, I think Catholicism is probably the easiest one by from what I hear to to kind of liken it to Satanism. They're basically uh, they're basically worshiping Satan, but it's rebranded, and and that's why that's why I've always said about the Bible, the the the, the Quran. It's basically the same story. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know if you're familiar with astro theology, where basically the, it's the the story of the sun and the stars that you know Jesus and his twelve disciples, those the twelve mm -hmm. uh, zodiacs, and it's the son of God as an S O N, but it's really yep. S U N, the sun. Um, and the, the, these stories are so it is, although it's shocking because I think a lot of people who you know are very tribalistic in their their religion and the you know they believe they're right and they're wrong, but then they're willing to, you know, mix in with another religion and then rebrand mm -hmm. to call people Islam. It's also disappointing, um, and yeah, it is. I think also <laughs> in regards to Christianity, because that's the one that probably affects you know the white race or, or Europeans the most. I think with that, some of the things in that religion, like let's say uh, the rosary and some some aspects of it actually come from our our primordial, you know, racial religions that were formed in the East. So I think that there's some little spiritual aspects that are still weaved into it that could appetize like the white soul. But there's also a lot of this like nasty, unsavory Talmudic stuff mixed in. Like, for example, the the rosary comes from uh, the Japa Mala, which is like this Buddhist or Vedic uh, necklace looking thing that looks exactly the same. And a lot of the Christianity stuff that our people like, from what I can see, there's a branch of Buddhism called Mahayana Buddhism. And a lot of that is very similar to Christianity. So I think that we're spiritually appetized by these little kernels of truth that light up our soul. But the whole of it is is really just degeneracy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and do you have any thoughts on what the one religion will end up being? I know in this instance they're, they're combining these two to call it Islam. Do you think that will be the end goal, or do you think that uh, will be a? Um, this could be something just kind of liminal, like the whole you know transsexual, transgender agenda. It could be like a liminal thing just to get more minds in a state of like decay and dendritus and, and thinking less from a naturalistic perspective. So that could be kind of one of the goals of it. And I also noticed that the name Chrislam is only encompassing Christianity and Pislam. It has something to do with Judaism, but yeah. all those religions are essentially Judaism at the end of the day, because 
if you look at the Talmud, that's where all the transhumanistic stuff begins. I think they have like six genders like listed in the Talmud yeah. and all different terrible things about pedophilia, misogyny, just heinous type of stuff. So I think this might just be some liminal thing because there's also another religion that kind of combines everything together. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called Baha'i. No, I haven't heard of that. I'll okay. It it's it. called B-A-H-A-I, the Baha'i religion. And this is a kind of like interfaith thing that I think was developed like in Iran and the Middle East. And it's a it's a mixing of all of these different paths. So it's kind of like a earlier version of, of Islam. But I think also just a tool, essentially, like, for example, some of the Baha'i faith stresses the unity of all people, rejecting racism, sexism and nationalism. And that may sound good on paper to a lot of people. What that really means is a raceless, sexless populace at the end of the day. And, and that, that phrase right there, raceless, sexless, what was it, raceless, sexless? Yes, and just populist, like a populist that's got no okay, race, yeah. no sex, yeah. but the Baha'i faith is stressing that, you know, rejecting racism, rejecting sexism, rejecting nationalism. So that's that's uh, very much of a universalistic, transhumanistic perspective. And, and I do have written down there from your from listening to your show, the six, six genders in Judaism. That was news mm -hmm. to me. Again, I haven't, you know, I'm not familiar with the Talmud, although I hear a lot of bad things about it and I think that's the difference between you know and, and I think all religions have it just to make that point clear for any of the, the people sure. that are criticized whereas you know the, the old testament's the one that everyone you know talks about that there is also the Talmud which to me everything I've heard about it sounds just evil you know that um the, the the Jews that are following the Talmud are different from the Jews that follow the is it the Torah yeah the Torah oh yeah there's a difference. They're more hardcore um, and they believe in these ideas. Like I think when a very religious Jew gets up in the morning, like a, a male, he does three things. He thanks Yahweh for not being a woman, not being an animal and not being a Gentile. So the religion yeah. is based on like antipathy for, for other, other beings. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one was one sex, which was pretty much covered with transgenderism uh, and the agenda there. Uh, mm -hmm. The language I've got, I've got written, the language that you talk about as well a lot, and um, that you know that, that that's why I said on that show with on the other show was yes, this stuff doesn't affect me, but then when it does, when the when the language comes in, like I know the Bills two sixteen, I think it was with Jordan Peterson, compelled language, and even like with with the bathroom situation, mm -hmm. with uh, some of these forms, I think my wife had to fill out a form recently, and it didn't have female on it I think it just had like you know I can't remember anyway but this is why I push back it's like no no you're trying to rebrand everyone else like I'm okay with saying we need to create a third category for trans transgenders um but you know don't start messing with you know my rights and freedoms so um that was something to point out uh, and the one race, which is one that I'm probably more uh, passionate about, uh, uh, not that I'm not about the others, but um, because of my co-host and I, we talk a lot about racism and um, my thoughts and, and uh, beliefs on like the Kalergi plan and mm. how they are, you know, putting you basically making Europe into a melting pot. Mm -hmm. um, I know that in a very, you know, censored and, and people will for this but it's it's there it's blatant it's blatantly obvious and um i got sent a video from a friend last night 
um, talking about what he believes is, is just around the corner with World War Three on the horizon and that they will send quite European men out to Ukraine and you know to fight on the front lines. There will be it's an it's a meaningless war. And that meanwhile the immigration um into Europe, um, you know, that's that's what I think is gonna happen. And I think if you look up the Clarity Plan, which is a documentary that I've watched and there are others alike, and it's just one of those topics that I could I could look there's not much I could cry about, but that one is like I, I literally have a, a a lump in my throat when I watch this stuff. So, um, you know, I know a lot of people hate for that and saying what's wrong with multiculturalism. And it's not that, it's when it's forced is when I kind of push back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of person where I'm not hateful towards other races. I want everyone to be able to flourish in their own area with their own people doing their own thing. But when they try to sell to us the idea that race mixing, and I like to call it multiracialism, is the quote cure for you know racism and sexism and ableism and all the you know Islamophobism, trans transphobicism, whatever they do, that's not diversity. That's diversity. That's creating no diversity. That's the absence of diversity. So again, it's another one of these numerous yeah. inversions that they try to sell to us as like you know the best things in sliced bread, and it's a hoax. Mm -hmm. no, I'm glad you said that because that's something I you're better at putting that into words it, it's not that we're hating on other races um it's just you know if it's a choice it's like we're i'm all about choice and freedom and when you're when when there's a clear agenda to eradicate the white europeans or christian you know a lot of people say it's white christian europeans um from the from the face of the earth and get everyone you know diverse and and as you say racial and um, multiculturalism you know, the, the the interview, not interview, but I don't know if you're familiar with Anthony Bourdain. That, that always comes back to my mind where he sat uh, at the table mm. eating food talking about is that the only way to fix the issue of racism is by basically creating a huge melting pot. And then you got Joe Biden talking about that whites will be the minority in you know, a certain mm. year and that will be a good thing. It's like they're telling you to your face and what does that entail? That doesn't just mean you know, just let it happen. There's driving forces that are pushing this agenda forward. It's not just a natural thing. Like, um, absolutely. And that, that's where I always have to just to push back. And I think everyone should because if you're hating on things that I'm saying here, it's like well, I always think it must be you that has the problem because I'm not saying whites can't marry blacks and blacks can't marry. You know, it, it's not that. It's just let this be a choice, not not forced. That's my yeah, I even heard something crazy where I think in one of the European countries where they were trying to promote the idea that this was the cure for everything, like they were like trying to instate something, some type of, I don't know, pass something where this is the way to cure racism with, you know, interracial marriage. And I think one of the reasons that oftentimes here in America, we look at the 50s and the 40s as kind of the good old days is because in the 60s, there was a lot of change that happened here where they lifted the ban on immigration and they also lifted the ban on miscegenation or race mixing. So that's kind of, and then we also had the 60s culture of you know free love and the birth control pill came out. So all of those were aspects of this multiracial agenda. Yeah, I agree. Um, so do you have anything else to add there? Or do you want to go and touch upon the, 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 the Jewish problem? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, one one thing I'll add before we go on to that, just in regards to transhumanism and the whole transsexualism thing, I think the biggest slippery slope for people is the whole idea of the quote pronouns, because once we start utilizing their language, which is one of the reasons why I like to make up my own little language and stuff on the show, once we begin to utilize their language, their way of thinking, their spelling, then we get to this point where we're actually accepting it and we're actually also contributing to someone's delusions of reality. So I don't do any of that pronoun stuff. I just completely avoid it because I feel that once you do that, it's a slippery slope to everything else. And also like we were going back talking about transsexualism, I don't have hate or vitriol for these people who are so confused that they're willing to mutilate their body. I mean, it's getting so bad that some of these young gals are being duped into a hysterectomy, which means they're gonna go through like an artificial menopause when they're in their 20s, which is really bad for yourself hormonally, even if you never choose to become a mother. So I really just put it like at the root and say, no, I'm not going to be using any of these pronouns. And of course, when it becomes a thing for these older transsexuals, like these autogynophiles, there's always the aspect of it being accepting or an ex a way of accepting child abuse or, or pedophilia, which is also a goal of transhumanism. We talked about the erasure of race and the erasure of sex, but another aspect of transhumanism is the erasure of age. Yeah, you, you touched on a good point there. Um, I just got sent a video as well just before we came on about how Spain this week have announced that um, there's no age limit. It's all about consent. If you think that the, the child is old enough to consent, um, I didn't wow. click on it yet. I just saw the subheading, um, so you know, I'll I'll maybe post that to my anti-social media for people to see. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the paedophile agenda is definitely one, and I got a lot of hate on shit talk. Uh, I've only recently joined. I said I would never join because I know about the whole the Chinese communism and how it's mm. you know. I didn't want it on my phone, but through my other podcast, family differences. We saw that it was a good avenue because the numbers that it can generate, like there's no other platform out there that you can get such high numbers, in my opinion. Um, and it was it was rightly so. I I posted a video, and it's got over seven hundred thousand views, and it's wow. we've got four thousand followers in the space of like two months. Um, so I was I was you know, I, I know sometimes I come across as a a hypocrite, but you know for the sake of the other. Um, so, yeah, I posted a video of um, a woman talking about a term MAPS. Is it MAPS? Uh, mm, yes. Calling pedophiles. Um, I can't remember what it stands for. Do you, minor, do minor attracted person. So it's kind of like a softer way of saying pedophile. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my caption was what triggered a lot of people because I was saying that the ideology behind transgenderism and the LGBT community is the same ideology that they will use to get maps or pedophiles accepted. It's basically, how do you know, uh, don't be mean, these people have feelings, uh, you don't know because you're not one of them. You know, that kind of empathy, mm -hmm. emotions come before facts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was invited into a live on Shit Talk and uh, basically bombarded by a lot of people saying, we don't want pedophiles being added to the LGBTQ, we, we don't like them either. But by the end of the conversation, they were all saying the things that I was telling them they would. They were all saying, well, if, if there's a pill or something that we can help them, if we can, you know, help understand their brains and maybe 
you know, and I was like, no, these people should be frustrated and, you know, put to jail. Like, that, there's no empathy involved. And, um, yeah. you know, I was kind of you know, proven right by by the end of the conversation. So, um, yeah, I think using that kind of language, you know, it, it was satire. It was, you know, I was picking a joke, adding the P towards the end. It does get a lot of people backed up, but it also uh, shines some light on, on this stuff. Yeah, it does, because I think a lot of people don't see that connection. They just say, oh, this is a person who's, you know, like a transsexual. This person's been victimized. They're, quote, living in the wrong body. You know, we have to be sympathetic to them. And, you know, it, it works people's heartstrings. I get it. A lot of these agendas or agendas are very emotionally based, and a lot of people are very emotionally reactive. So it it, it works quite brilliantly, but it's not necessarily the truth. And then this becomes an extremely slippery slope to really huge problems and I think pedophilia is a humongous problem I don't consider that there is a cure for it and also something else too oftentimes these people who go on to abuse youngsters they were abused themselves so that's kind of like how it reproduces if you will that's something that I I talk a lot about on on the other show is that and I did kind of talk about it here today with the, the parents and how parenting has become a shit show and how everything mm-hmm. leads from what you learn from your when you're a kid like uh, my co-host has a hard time with with me saying that like spanking your children and um, basically teaches your child that it's okay to be violent when people do bad things and and the correlation between being spanked and and you know when you inter- or when you find out that let's say 60 70 80 percent of people behind bars were all spanked or I, I mean i don't don't you know quote me on that one but there are correlations between what people saw in their childhood is that what they become in later life and sexual mm-hmm. abuse rapists have all seen things in their childhood that make them who they are in later life and that's not an exact science because obviously there are um you know exceptions you know so michael i'll bring up you know that our famous is it uh, steven steiner and his brother some serial killer or, or you know some story about how one brother was ended up being a rapist and, and pedophile and captured loads of women and raped them, and then the other brother was fine. And I'm like, well, that's the exception to the rule. It doesn't negate, you know, the whole, you know, the studies that people are are finding between you know, behavior and what they're seeing when they're when they're young. Yeah, with that case, and I'm not familiar with it. It could be that one of those men or boys had a situation that was a conflict that led to that, or maybe he was abused. I mean. But oftentimes the things we experience as a child, whether they be positive or negative or, or both in, in many cases, that can shape you know, what we like sexually, what we're like, what our personality is like, if we have some type of fetish that we need you know, in, in that uh, context. So a lot of that definitely shapes like who we are as we become adults. Yeah, definitely. So I think we'll end out with a lot. And I know I'm not going to give it justice. And I would love to have you back and do a show maybe later in, in the year um, to do one on like just the Jewish stuff or even Hitler, World War II. Uh, because for me, Zionism is, is what runs the world and the, the, the touch on the Talmud. And that this is stuff that I don't even know if, if the, the platform we're using today or uh, now that I'm off of YouTube, I know that that's a bonus for me. BitChute has been the only website that's supported all my work. And if I ever need a reference or a document, I know that I can go on there. And there is stuff that is deemed, you know, that would never, never last mm-hmm. a few seconds on YouTube. So I don't know where, where 
we'll need to sort out something. Podbean seems to be decent as well. I don't know where they stand on, on censorship and talking about this stuff, but for me, the difference between, as I say, red pill, black pill is learning Zionism, or Zionism, the, the rabbis and the Jews basically run the world. Um, and although that's not the forefront, you know, I always say to people who say white men, white white supremacy and all that, it's like, yes, on the outlook, they look white, but it's not because they're white that they're in those positions. It's because they're part mm-hmm. of masonry or they're a Jew or they're a Zionist or, you know, it's, it's something else. And it's this whole facade that it's white men, white men and white men are bad. Um, I, I push back on. So, yeah, if you could just touch upon that, we'll... Yeah, for sure. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people buy into that idea that it's, you know, white men are the ones who are ruining the world currently. They've historically ruined the world. They're responsible for the ills of all other people in the world, which is a hoax. I mean, every every race has essentially engaged in slavery and stuff like that. Slavery is still alive and well in Africa. And when the slave trade was happening here, you know, in the States, the transatlantic slave trade, which was, you know, North and South America, at the height of it, 2% of the people who were involved were, were white. It was, it was a Jewish slave trade, but the problem is that most people to this day, not most, maybe I don't even know anymore. Cause as much as you talk to people who they know everything and you kind of forget that other people don't know these things, but uh, Jewish is not a type of white ethnicity, like, you know, being Russian or, you know, being Hungarian or, or being Italian. It's a completely different race. They have something called the Kohanim gene, which Gentiles don't have. So they're different. They're a mixed people. There's typically three types. There's the Ashkenazim, who typically can pass for white in certain instances. They can have fair hair, fair skin, light eyes. They are the Jews of Eastern Europe. There are the ones called the Mizrahim, which are the Jews of the Orient and the Middle East. They definitely look like they're not white. And then you have the Sephardim, which are the Jews of the Iberian Peninsula, Spaniard, you know, kind of like Southern European. Sometimes those can pass, sometimes not. But we're always hearing it's white men, white men involved with transhumanism, you know, white men responsible for the world's problems. And the whole idea of, quote, white supremacy is really Jewish supremacy. And supremacy, I've been getting into this a wee bit in in my podcast, I believe that both equality and supremacy are man-made designations that individuals appoint for themselves. They're not actually reflective of a natural thing. A natural thing would be being naturally superior, or for sake of a better word, a hierarchy. So when we hear this phrase, white supremacy, it's really these uh, elite group of Jews. And by elite, I don't mean they're actually elite. They they bestow that on themselves. But they try to foist all of their ills on white men. But they're the ones who are pretty much doing these things. And they're pointing the finger at another group. And then they're doing it, but they're not actually getting it back to them. And that's how this power structure essentially works most people know that something is happening in the world on multiple levels that is very unsavory, but they cannot trace it back to who's doing it because they don't know who it is. And then the media just says, oh, my God, it's white supremacy. It's white men. Yeah, totally agree. Um, you were touching on the racism side of things there and slavery. And obviously, that's something else that, that my co-host and I go back and forth with. And we all know that history was written by by the victors, and it's mm-hmm. his story. And you know, I'm 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 a big one for words, and as I say, numbers and gematria. But um, I always think if you're if you're siding with the mainstream narrative, if your history is what the mainstream promote, then I would question it because, you know, I think like you say, most people know there's things going on. I talk to my grand my grandmother 
to you know she thinks I'm crazy at the best of times when I when I'm talking this way. But at the same time, she also knows that there's a lot of corruption in the governments. And I always try to challenge people when they they think that I'm crazy is to follow your own your own beliefs through, follow them through. Because even the one that springs to my mind is like the pension scheme. I don't know what you guys call it in America, the 401k. When, when you retire, the government money that, that keeps you. Okay. Yes. Um, like social security, like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, okay. You get Called pension here, pension yes. scheme that the government give you, but you can also put into private ones in your companies throughout your your working life. And most people here, you know, you'll talk in the workplace, and it's like, yeah, they, they, they don't want us picking them up. They're always increasing the age. When I was young, it was you could retire at sixty. Now it's sixty-five, and then I think by the time I get to retirement, it's probably going to be seventy. I think it is actually mm. sixty-seven. I think it changed more recently to sixty-seven. And a lot of men in the workplace will say they, they don't want us getting that money because that's like. As um, the quote that um, uh, what's the guy's name? The, the guy everyone hates, uh, Henry Kissinger. Oh, so many. Talking Henry about, Kissinger. Okay. Um, talking about healthy uh, eaters. Was it lazy eaters? How you mm. use the elderly? Yeah, the useless eaters. Yeah, exactly. Eaters, that's yeah. And, uh, so I mean, people have that, and then they'll find out about you know the money that's funneling and the, the offshore bank accounts and how all these politicians are corrupt. And it's like, well, follow that through. Follow why they're, you know, these same people that are doing those things and then you're trusting them when it suits you, but not when it doesn't. And, and that's what bugs me about, you know, the consistency of people on, on podcasts and in general and when you talk to them is the consistency. They'll, they'll be biased to their own agenda. Um, yep. But yeah, the Jewish, the Jewish thing, the Zionism as a whole uh, just fascinates me. I mean, watching Adolf Hitler, The Great Story Never Told, and finding out what World War II was really about and learning about, you know, um, some of these, uh, you know, like Donald Trump, every every president that's been put in place has been selected, not elected. Uh, mm -hmm. The picture of them at the, the Wailing Wall um, and how they promote, you know, even Donald Trump, I think, as much as I did like him, um, and, and I think his politics were what I would have sided with, um, he did put anti-Semitic, uh, freedom of speech laws into schools in America, which is obviously a no-no for me. Um, but yeah, it, it's tricky to talk about. But yeah, for me, the hierarchy, the power structure is that they're using um, Freemasons, uh, Scientology, um, Knights of Templar, Knights of Malta, these secret societies that are not so secret um, when you look into them, that they're all pushing the same agenda, the same narrative. They're all working towards the, the one world government, the new world order, if you will. Um, and it is an orga organized, orchestrated movement. And, and when we talk about these things today on the podcast, transhumanism, pornography, they're all like subheadings of how they do it. How, how do they get us from the, the early 1900s believing one thing to 2000 believing another is through these mechanisms? For me, that's absolutely kind of confirming their bias for this stuff because you're you're seeing it every day. You turn on the mainstream, you watch Netflix, and you're seeing it. The rhetoric, the language—it's just brainwashing. And I always again bring it back to that. I don't know if you've seen that film. They live with Randy. Oh yeah, Randy Piper. I've seen it. Roddy Roddy yeah, Piper. Yeah, I've seen that film. Yeah. yeah. The wife watched that. Now the wife, she knows I'm. You know this way and she gets on board with some of it and i think she just takes it little by little because it's overwhelming but she watched that uh, they live 
and now she points out things to me whenever she sees it on Netflix or we're down the road in the city, you know, she'll see the obey signs and things. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, yeah. those things, once you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's what I'm saying. As much as today I've maybe sounded as if I'm kind of abandoning some of the beliefs, I'm not. I'm just battling with the theory of, you know, what is morally right and morally wrong. And for me, I always go back to that this is nefarious and it's being pushed this way by nefarious means and, and nefarious people. So I hope I haven't, you know, sounded as if I've jumped the jumped the, the fence or the wall and, and joined the other side. It's just that some of this stuff does come across as, um, I think it's more like because of the world we live in, it's so basically evil and shit that some of this stuff becomes appealing. Would that be a better way of saying it? Yeah, I think that's a better way of saying it. But I guess oftentimes anyone who has an idea that's, you know, without outside of the main narrative or even outside of the alternative narrative, because there's a lot of, you know, control and shills even in the alternative media, perhaps even more than in the mainstream, because the mainstream media is, it's kind of obvious what's going on. But whenever your opinion or your belief system is counter to, you know, kind of like more of a acceptable narrative, we're always told that person is, you know, a hateful person, a bigot, whatever. But it's just someone who's not being controlled by what it is. And you know, once you put on those they live spectacles, like you say, you you cannot unsee things. And this is what it is. And it's not based on hate. Like I think that that's one of the things that I always try to convey on my show that these beliefs are based on truth, based on love for myself and my race. And it's not about having vitriol for other people. But oftentimes we're told if we feel this way, we're terrible. And a lot of people are afraid of getting the backlash of being terrible. Yeah, well said, well said. So um, we're at one hour 21. I think we could pretty much wrap up. I'd like to give you the opportunity to promote your stuff, your Telegram channels, your podcast, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I do this podcast, you know, here and there, um, White Wellness Radio. I guess I do in the fall, I'm probably going to do like two live shows per a month at least. I do these wee little clips where I walk around and those are typically not done live. And then I have my channels. I have my main white wellness channel. I have a channel called um, White Wellness Cooking. So if anyone's into cooking, there's a chat in there too. So you can talk to other people about cooking. Then I have a channel on um, sexuality and yoga because that's been terribly inverted. And I think the inversions of that actually fuel a lot of these transhumanistic agendas and the LGBTP agenda and even the the um, the negatives of porn, because that's an inversion of you know sacred sexuality. And I also have a channel on racial science and anthropology, which tells about the differences of the races. And I also do wellness counseling. I work one on one with um, other people, helping them to optimize their lives, their diet, And oftentimes people like to see me for wellness counseling because they can share these feelings they have about, you know, race, transhumanism, the world. And it's a safe place where I'm not going to tell them that they're mentally ill or they're a racist. So it's it's a very compassionate container for individuals who really feel like they want to talk to someone who kind of gets them and doesn't make them feel like an outcast. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. I appreciate that. And uh... Yeah, for everyone, I always push Telegram as a good source of, of knowledge and finding out, you know, there's, there's documentaries, books, there's PDF versions of books on there, books that have been banned, even mm-hmm. um, I have a channel on there that I'm slowly growing, mainly people that I know and, and trust, you know, because some of the stuff, as I say, we post in there, um, is 
you know, I, I just don't know where I stand with what platforms, you know, would ban and, and all that kind of stuff and censorship. So, yeah, I advise everyone to get on Telegram, uh, follow uh, the White Wellness podcast on, on Podbean. And yeah, um, I'd, lo- I'd love to have you back again, um, even if we don't have a topic or if we do, um, even if we jump on Podbean, I've got so many questions out with the, the subjects today. Um, but I'm definitely going to get on board. I've been writing some notes down about the ROGD, uh, some of mm. the names that are involved in transgenderism, uh, uh, sorry, transhumanism, David Pierce. So I'll get a few of other ones that I missed as you were out and off. Uh, Bahia, uh, is it B-A-H-I-A? Uh, I'm yes. definitely going to look yep. at that. That was really interesting. But thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure. And I hope you guys have enjoyed this. And uh, this show will go out. Hopefully tomorrow night, if I get the editing done, I am night shift this week. So hopefully I'll get that out for you in the next couple of days. Until next time, guys, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Baran you, Baran you, to your breed, your fish, your plan be true, shape be true, Baran you.